Good morning. I hope you all are doing so well. So good to see you this morning. Uh, I walked outside uh, to, <clears throat> to, to start the car this morning. I'm like, today you need to get some layers. Did you guys feel that this morning? Are you feeling layers are happening for sure now? It is getting cold outside. Loving that warm <laughs> mountain air in the mornings. But hey, we're excited that you're with us today. Again, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Foundry Church. Uh, if you're new here, thank you for, for coming. I know it takes a lot of courage uh, to, to face the cold in the morning, but also to come to a place that you may not know, folk, uh, or, or come to a building that you may not be comfortable in. So we're glad you're here today. And what we're going to do today is, is try to do what Spurgeon did in a year, and that is synthesize Romans, okay? We're going to try and boil it down. Uh, and I, I, got a, I got some feedback from first service. Someone said, I love that when you, you conclude a series that you, you try to catch us up on everything that we may have missed throughout. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes uh, weekends present opportunities to go places, which we, we love folk being able to see family and to travel and stuff. So you may miss some things along the way for you. So what we're going to do today is, is try to pull this back in together and boil it down for you. And as Bray prayed over you, and she did the same for first service and didn't know it, the challenge for you today as we conclude our, our study of Romans, this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to Rome, but also to us, is to take one thing, one thing away from this to be challenged by, to see change in, okay? One thing, and you'll have an opportunity at the end to see those before you that we'll, we'll talk about today. But I wanna challenge you, if you have your notes with you and you have your Bible, or maybe you have your phone where you turn on your Bible or you take down your notes with your thumbs, that is fine as well. I want you during this time to just be intentional about what, as you listen, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me that I need to work on? That's how we do our connect groups. We always ask, as the word is, 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 is read by all of us around the group, we ask, what is the Holy Spirit of God saying you to, to you today? What is he illuminating? What is he putting his finger on in your life? Because he is challenging you to grow from here. Okay, and that's the goal. So the, the key verse that we found within Romans uh, is Romans 5.1. And you heard me say this many, many times uh, throughout this series. Uh, but again, challenging you once again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One verse, so heavy, so weighted, so thick, full of things that we sought to define throughout this series that I think redefines how we live. And we talked about that one word that was so important that we would define called justification. And we had that imagery in our minds as if we stood before the judge and, and we had the judge say to us, oh, guess what? Yes, you, you were speeding. Yes, you were uh, uh, illegally traveling through the streets at high speeds. However, the fine has been paid for, and, and what you should get right now, you're not. It's just as if you never did it. It never happened. And that's what we grew to understand, that in and through Christ Jesus, that we're not guilty, that we have been forgiven, and that we are able to stand. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. And I hope and my desire was throughout this series of conversations that we've had together that you've been able to stand in a different way. That you've had a new confidence in your faith. That you've understood yourself better in light 
of who God has made you to be through Christ Jesus. So week one, we started with an understanding of finding your faith. And you may have heard this kind of talked about as a Romans road experience. And, and a lot of times people will use this in conversation just to help people to understand some things about themselves and the separation that they have between them and God. And we talked about sin specifically. And a lot of times churches don't bring up that word a lot because they're scared of it. And it's not something that we're scared of. It's something that we talk about because we know it is the very thing that is a universal problem among all of us and it is the one thing that separates us from God sin see we know that there's no difference this is what of the gold is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God you've heard these verses growing up a lot but think about what Paul was trying to to help folk understand here it doesn't matter your religious pedigree or how soon you've come to the faith it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a non-Jew that's what Gentile means that everybody is the same right now. And I think that's so important, especially if we want to see this message continue beyond here uh, with, with our lives and how we share it with others, that we are all on the same page, all on the same page. It is a universal problem, but we are justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So important to remember and not forget that that sin is missing the mark uh, in the Old Testament understanding like an, an arrow being shot at a target, but not being like Christ is the key definition in the New Testament. And Jesus told us that sin is more about the heart than it is the body. Man, this just really got me deeply in my life as I was challenged because so often we will look to the outward, right? We look, and we saw Jesus talk in Matthew uh, in chapter 5 and 15, uh, where we, we can see where, man, that person is clearly a murderer because they committed murder, or that person is clearly an adulterer because they committed adultery. We can say that these things are clearly happening, and we look at the outside, but he's saying, listen, if you are even angry with your sibling, your brother or sister, or your friend, they are doing it in your heart right now. See, Jesus brought whole new meaning to how sin can impact our lives when he spoke in this way. How many of you guys know the holidays are coming? Derek made sure we're going to be decorating for it. But the holidays are coming, and you will sit across the table, maybe from your literal brother or sister, or today you sit in the congregation with your brother and sister. And there should not be sin between you. That shouldn't be something that should be between us. It's a matter of the heart. So important. Are you with me on that? A matter of the heart. And we also grew to understand that sin doesn't coexist with Christ. Jesus and sin don't hang out. Why? Because Jesus obliterated. He took sin head on so he could remove it, right? Remove it from our lives so that we can go on with him, so that we can be redeemed, that we can be justified. Very rarely, Paul said, Will anyone die for a righteous person? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated, and I think it's so important, his own love for us. Think about how Paul knew the love of God. Think about that. A, a literal murderer of Christians. A literal murderer, okay? Think about what anger meant in his heart toward his neighbor. You see what I mean? Think about what redemption meant to Paul, seeing Jesus being blinded in that moment, becoming who he was supposed to be. He says, God demonstrated love for me, that yet while I was in the middle of breathing murderous, murderous thoughts, Jesus died for me. I love that. 
And we understand that if we're in Christ, we are that new creation. We shouldn't have the same sin struggles that we had before because we have been made new. Sin does not coexist with Christ. We know that that happens by way of this grace that he gives, unearned, undeserved favor from God. What a beautiful picture. We didn't deserve it, but we got it. Remember, I made the illustration of my sweet Allie Grace when her little blonde hair, well, no hair, but blue eyes self made her way into this world. I'm just like, wow, I did not deserve this. And God said, yes, you did because I've made a way, right? You've been forgiven. Sin is blotted out through salvation. Salvation has changed everything in our lives. And this is so important. If you have not made a decision to follow Christ Jesus, it will be the most important decision that you ever make next to a spouse. Can I get an amen on the second part at least? <laughs> Whoa, there's a lot of guys. There was really deep amens, all right? We'll talk about that later, gentlemen, okay? We'll get you straight, all right? Um, it's the most important decision you can make. Why? Because it's an eternal decision. Think about Paul's life, how it was changed by salvation through Christ Jesus. Think about how your life can be and will be changed through Christ Jesus. That sin and Christ don't dwell in the same place because he got rid of this. And I love that. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith. It comes by way of faith. That just has blown my mind throughout this series, understanding that faith is this trust and belief that I can be changed, a complete trust and belief that the atoning work of Christ works for me and works for you, has blown my mind. Faith and an atoning work of Christ Jesus. Second week, we had Derek share and did such a phenomenal job helping us to understand the law, Jesus, and us. Just like the struggles back then were religious struggles, in the church, we can have religious struggles, not relational struggles. Derek did such a good job helping us to see the value of the law and why the law because he helped us see what Paul was saying and what Jesus was saying about the power of the law. If we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know what sin was. We wouldn't know the very things that grieved God's heart and set separation between us and him. However, what was so unique in the point that Derek made that was a great observation is that the law, at some point, pinpoints where we have fallen short and we have sinned, but also pinpoints and puts the blame on Christ Jesus and not you so that you can walk free. The law shows us the true problem and guides us to the only solution. What a valid point, Derek. Romans 8, 1 through 3, he made this point as well. For what the law was powerless to do in the likeness and by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a once and for all, I added that part, sinful sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh that we might be free. And then we talked about the responsibility of the redeemed. And I think this is so great for us to, again, boil these things down because I'm sure throughout you may have missed some things or may not have heard some things that you need to hear maybe today. And one of the biggest words that has impacted my life lately is responsibility. And I don't know about you, but I will stand for everything that I say, especially more than anybody else because I'm a pastor. I will stand for what I say in this position. I will stand for what I say in this pulpit. 
more than anybody else. I will stand for what I say and what I do as a leader of my home. Okay? I have a responsibility, but also I will stand as a believer of Christ for what I did or did not do pertaining my gospel message, the gospel message that's changed my life. We all will stand for that. Think about it. We're responsible as redeemed people. If we've truly received this beautiful gift called salvation, we have a responsibility to share it. This is going to be changing the direction of our church in many ways. This thought process right here. Why? I cannot effectively disciple every person that you bring to church. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not made to do it. You can't effectively, maybe one or three in here, one, three, maybe ten of you, effectively disciple everyone that everybody else brings to the church. Each one of us are to be responsible to be disciplers of people that we do life with. Why do we set this thing up for failure when we count on a pastor or a connect group leader or someone else in the church to make it happen? Are you getting what I'm saying here? That is so backwards. That is so off. We have responsibilities as believers and followers of Christ to help every single day, help folk get closer to the good news message of Jesus and to salvation. See, we have to be responsible to be an everyday offering. What does that mean? A living sacrifice. Someone that every day gets up and says, if it's up to me, this person will hear my story about what Jesus did for me. A lot of times we get so overwhelmed, we're like, I don't know the Romans road by, by heart. I don't know how to lead them in this. I don't know how to do that. Do you know how to do coffee with somebody? Do you know how to listen to people and walk with them through lives and different things? Every day, let's take it that way. Just get up and be responsible because this is holy and pleasing to God and this is our true and proper worship. That was Romans 12. 1. 12. 2. We're responsible to cultivate internal change. And I want to make sure you hear this well. To cultivate internal change. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we look at that all together, we see that God is trying to do something in and through your life, that he has a will and a plan for your life, and that by way of Jesus Christ and by his spirit, we are directed in and toward that will, that we have been transformed, made new, metamorphosis, to a new creation, to be able to share, but we have responsibility we think about this in, in terms probably of gardening and prepping the soil, cultivation. We do whatever we can to be ready for God to move through us by his spirit. We cultivate, we get the soil of our heart ready because we have been transformed through that salvation experience, made new, a different thinking and understanding of who we are in and through Christ Jesus. We cultivate the soil so inner change can happen whatever you can do why because we want God's will his good and pleasing and perfect will to flow through our lives we're responsible for it 
We're responsible to compare ourselves with Christ, and I think this is so important. Uh, and, and we defined a, a, a phrase here that, that is something that has changed really my thinking in many ways. Comparing ourselves to Christ, we see this, Romans 12, 3, for by grace that was given to me, I say to every one of you, and again, we know, man, the depth of Paul, uh, of his, his separation from God by who he was as a person and not being saved. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So important, for by the grace given to me, understanding that you have been given grace, don't think of yourself too high, but also don't think of yourself too low. See, sober judgment's right in the middle, and and when we define that word more in the original language, we see that it is defined as self-esteem. And self-esteem isn't defined by what you're wearing. It isn't defined by your friendships. It's not defined by your vocation. Are you with me? It's not defined by how much money you make. It's not defined by your looks. It's not defined by any of these things, even what people say about you. You are defined by what Christ Jesus did for you. That defines you redeemed made new justified set apart moving in righteousness this defines you so that you can look at yourself with a healthy self-esteem knowing who you're comparing yourself to christ jesus not those and things around you does that make sense such an important lesson maybe that's what you need to write down as the one thing i don't know But we're responsible, understanding that grace that has been given to us, to give grace to others. Again, when you sit around that table here in a couple weeks, a week or maybe a month or whatever, that'll probably be the hardest place for you to give grace because the ones closest to you can hurt you the most. Right? I understand. The Lord's been teaching me in this time that if I give grace and I am loving and kind to anyone, I better do it for my family first, right? That's really hard to do, depending upon your situation. However, we're responsible to give grace, but how about also the folk that we see maybe at the coffee house? Maybe they're just really angry, frustrated, yelling at the person behind the counter because they messed up their all-soy latte with one pump of, I don't know. You know how that goes. But maybe they're having a really bad day because something really bad happened. Maybe they lost a loved one. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they lost some hope. Maybe you giving grace to that person right there in that place. Hey, hey, you know what? Here's a gift card for your next three soy lattes with blah, blah, blah. Because you know what? I want to bless you. I'm going to give you some grace in a moment of when probably nobody wants to give you. You see how this can change things around you? We're responsible to live out of the grace that has been given to us according to Christ Jesus. Then we talked about sincere love. And, and, and I, I made this example in first service. Um, I just came back yesterday from moving some things up for mom from Virginia, uh, leaving Uh, what was my grandparents' home and my mom's home for the last uh, 15 years for the last time, okay? So it's like closing the door on that memory 
and all those memories. No more Christmases there. No more. You see what I'm saying by this? You guys know how this feels? Um, and just had such fond memories of, of my Mimo my and my granddaddy. Um, just they're, they were hilarious. Hilarious. Um, but Mimo was so sincere. Do you know what I'm talking about? Remember how we kind of got some imagery of sincere people in our lives? And, and I, I recollected uh, one memory in particular in first service. Um, when Jonathan and I were young and we were playing down on the farm in Lignum, which is called Pepper County, but it's the southern part. We were down at the bottom of the hill. We have hills there. We don't have hollers, okay? It's, it's so different. It's funny. You can see a skyline down there. It's really weird. Here you see the top of a mountain, and the sun's gone in four minutes. However, I remembered. Um, we'll get through that. Together, um, I remembered one memory in particular that was so much fun. We had some snow, and, and Jonathan and I were just like sled riding down on a hill where we could find one down there. And then we were just kind of hanging out, and here comes Meemaw. From the house, we look off in the distance, and she's wearing some boots, some snow boots, a muumu, a muumu, literally a muumu, only a muumu, and a jacket. Okay, and here Meemaw comes, just this old, this French lady. She was, you know, second generation French, so she was hilarious and funny and all these things. But she's carrying with her pizza for us, fresh out of the oven. I know, right? Inside a tin foil down you have memories like this and I was like man Meemaw man she just loved us and you think about sincere love in our lives and and how we are supposed to have this as followers of Christ because we've been given that we're supposed to give out of grace what we've been given and this isn't to condemn or put down but how often do we do that you know I mean think about the love that Paul was given right And he says to them and he says to us that you should be giving this sincere love. We saw that in verses 9 through 21 and 13, 8 through 9 in Romans. And he says to us in Romans 12, 9 through 13, he says, Love must be sincere. We are to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. We are to be devoted to one another. That we should have honor for one another, not lacking zeal, but keeping a spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, and that we are to be joyful, patient. That's a hard one. Can I get an amen for this guy? Uh, in affliction, faithful in prayer, and to share with the Lord's people who are in need. We are to practice hospitality. Meemaw was so hospitable. We are to practice devotion. And we talked about folk that are in, in the... Uh, the health field, studying to be doctors and such and practicing medicine. Nobody's perfect at it yet because we're learning along the way. But devotion is something that we should practice toward one another as we are practicing that toward God. Something that we should freely give because we've been given it in so many ways. Devotion, a practice. And when we get good at that type of sincere love, we see that we can move ahead in something uh, that could be a blessing to others. And this is so difficult to be a blessing to those that are broken, but probably a greater difficulty comes when we try to be a blessing to those who are hurting. Why? Because hurting people do what to others? They hurt people. But also being a blessing to those that are whole. See, Paul tells us, he said, bless those who persecute you. Now, we don't don't see New Testament first century church persecution typically in America whatsoever. But we do understand difficulty and hard situations, and I'm not belittling that. 
You may be in probably one of the hardest things you'll ever go through in your life right now, or maybe you're not. But we understand uh, when, when people do it to us and how we could feel in response to them. And you think about that, that he's challenging us to bless and do not curse. Bless someone. To, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. They got the new house. Celebrate with them. That loved one passed away. Mourn with them. Walk through these things with them. Live in harmony with one another. Creating this beautiful course called Christianity. Ones who are followers of Christ. Not being proud but willing to associate with all people, even people of low position, not being conceited. Blessing the broken, the hurting, and the whole. Everywhere in between. That's what sincere love looks like. We also grew to understand that sincere love is something that fights for good and peace. That fights for good and peace. And a tremendous, for me, personally speaking, tremendous life lesson came out of this scripture. Uh, I'll do to it in just a moment. He tells us, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Man, is there just sometimes you want to do that, though? Whoo, well, you did this to me. Watch out. I'm going to, especially being a communicator, the words can come out really easily, okay? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, and here's the phrase that got me so big over the last couple months, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. How often do we fight for the wrong things? Think about it. How often, with our desires and our sinful nature, (laughs) to get what we want, do we fight for the wrong things? Karen and I had an opportunity to uh, do a, a marriage conference this past weekend. So we were down in Williamsburg just yesterday and Friday. All right, and I have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes care of our kids whenever we go out of town, uh, who we don't have to worry about those little boogers because they're taken care of. However, we went through all kinds of growth, Kara and I, over the last year since we were asked to do this conference. Anytime you are asked to go forward in the Lord or challenged to do something good for him, I promise you, You will go through something difficult that he's trying to build in you, okay? And what you do is just step back and be like, well, thank you, Jesus, okay? So we we were talking about sincere love this weekend a little bit, and we were were talking about uh, disagreements, and we were talking about arguments even, and we were talking about Kara and I just being real about the last six months of our lives and how difficult it has been. Kara and I got super, super honest when we were talking about intimacy, and we're not talking about sexual intimacy because that's the end of things. We're talking about closeness, connectedness, and being with one another, okay? Anybody can do the sex thing. That doesn't matter compared to true intimacy, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul kind of stuff, okay? So we asked the question, what holds you back from true intimacy in your life? And my sweet little wife, honest as can be, said to me, I'm stubborn. I know. (laughs) And in true fashion, how I would always respond to what she says, I said, you're right. (laughs) But I told her, I said, baby, I'm selfish. So we had to stand before a group of people and be real about, I want struggles, because that's what people need. That I am naturally selfish. I want what I want when I want it. 
And that's not even talking about physical things. I'm serious. It wasn't even sex conversations or nothing like that. It was about, I want attention. I want, you see what I mean by this? Food. You know, not her to say, get in the kitchen, woman, and cook. I'm not saying, I want to eat what I want to eat. You see what I'm saying? Real stuff, real stuff. And she said to me, I've realized that part of how I was raised and things I went through that I could be pretty stubborn. And she said, you know, we both, we repented before each other. It was beautiful because it was a struggle that we've gone through. But being so real about these things, we learn for what we need to fight for. We need to fight for good. And as far as it depends on me in this marriage, I will fight for what's good and brings peace. And she said, as far as it depends on me in this marriage, I will fight for what is good and brings peace. This isn't your pastor saying that his marriage is perfect. This is actually telling you that your pastor's marriage has had some growth and some speed bumps in the last six months that we never experienced for the last 16 years. Because if we're always trying to have and possess sincere love, there will be conviction that coincides and change that will happen, okay? So as far as it depends on you, you do what you can to fight the right way for peace and good, right? Don't fight to bring calamity and evil into your home. Mm -mm. Peace. You live at peace with everyone and especially your spouse, right? Your, Your literal neighbor, your family member, and people you meet on the street. Because see, sincere love, it stays in debt as well. It stays in debt uh, I made a, a, asked a funny question, I think. Uh, I thought it was funny, at least, in first service. How many, how many credit card applications, college students only, how many credit card applications did you get in the mail this past week? Uh, we're starting with three. Raise your hand if you got at least three. Did you get at least three? Okay, I see those hands. Did you get four? Anybody get four? Four. Did you get five? Five? Did you get Six? Okay, the world financially, Ryan, we need to get them straight, right? CPA. Financially wants you to stay in debt. Well, Paul was giving us the the other side of this spiritually saying, look, you need to stay in debt, this love debt, this sincere love debt to others. Let this be something that remains outstanding in your life. Because, listen, they need, they need you to love them as they love themselves. He's saying this. They need that. I'm telling you, we need you, as Jesus told me, to love that person, your neighbor, as you love yourself. So important. Sincere love stays in debt at all times. We also talked about accepting care. And this was... I think something that really challenged me as well, uh, especially because being a doer and there's some, some doing aspects into accepting care. Um, we, we came from Romans 14, 1 through 23. And we think about this uh, in context. Uh, if we care, we help them stand and not stumble. And when I think about this, we, we, we can be so quick, and Paul, he warns us against this, to, to stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up in your mind this renewed mind, understanding who you are in Christ Jesus and what he did for you, to to not, not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. You would never 
Never bring a six-pack to a party with someone who's a recovered alcoholic. You would never do that. You would never bring the, the most beautiful, amazing, icing-filled cake to someone who is clearly, and they have told you, diabetic, right? Do you want to see them die in front of you? Do not do that. Do not do it. My dad would still, Jody, my dad would still be like, well, there's always more insulin. That's how Big John took care of that stuff, okay? <sighs> People's eyebrows are really raised now. Healthcare professionals, you're like, I'm not that guy. But we would never want anybody to stumble in their faith. We would always want to help them stand. We would never put an obstacle before them. No, if anything, this is the doing part. We work for peace, whatever it takes, to build others up. We make every single effort. This is what we do. We wake in the morning with this understanding to do what it takes to lead others toward, to lead in peace and to build them up, to edify others. We're responsible for this. If we really care, if we have sincere love, these are the things that we would make a priority in our lives. The last thing that we shared on the caring side of things was very personal for me. We know when to be quiet. Remember I shared with you guys about Miss Rose who came out of retirement to come back and teach our class? All right, educators, you're like, yes, I remember this. Jill's like, oh, yeah, I remember this story. I would have done the same thing. I was the kid that was studying to be a communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ someday. Therefore, I had to take every opportunity possible to talk, right? I found out this past weekend hanging out with some old friends uh, who I had French 3 with. French 3, I got that far. That was pretty fun. Uh, French 3, he told me this past weekend, he's like, bro, do you remember when she kicked you out of class? I'm like, no, tell me more. Tell me more. He's like, dude, you would not stop talking. And she said, you know what, Justin? You're out. She kicked me out of class. So Miss Rose, and I forgot the other lady's name. It was so impressionable. Um, kicked me out of class. I guess I was so good at English, I didn't want to do the French thing, all right? It is so hard sometimes, though, to stay quiet. And you'll stand for what you say in life. I know this as a pastor and a leader of my home. I'll stand for what I say and what I do. This is a powerful position that I carry, a humbling position, and also the leader of my home in that way. I will stand for these things. But sometimes we get the I can't help it's in life, especially pertaining to our beliefs. And sometimes we just need to keep those things between ourselves and God until they're fully worked out. Because you could help make someone, probably not the best word to use, help. You could make someone stumble even by your own beliefs. Sometimes you got to know when to be quiet. Does that make sense? Because it can cause a lot of problems. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. So what did healthy, accepting care look like? Worship team, you guys can start making your way up as we're about to conclude this morning. What does healthy, accepting care look like? And it came with three questions, one-word questions. The first one, if you're strong, that, that question, strong, are you strong? Strong? Then you bear and build. You, you bear the failings of the weak. You bear the burdens of those around you, and you help to build them up. So if you're strong, you're strong, okay. This is your job. Take on some of these things to help them. 
and build them up and edify them in the body of Christ. Struggling? We all find ourselves in this. We all see ourselves in this, that sometimes we're just really just struggling in our faith and our walk. The most important thing you can ever do is head to the word. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So important that you will have hope as you read about these folks that went through similar things that you've gone through and they found God in the middle of it. They grew to understand that he didn't leave them nor forsake them, that he's with them every single step of the way. Look to the word it was written so that it could teach us. And you know what? Whatever I'm saying, look to the word to make sure it's there because I'm responsible for that. And if you're slacking, I love this, you're slacking off a bit. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude. I love this, that we can have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. To be like Christ. That's our goal. That's why we follow him. We want his dust from where he walks on our face. We, we want to smell like the places he's going, right? We want to do the things that he's doing. We want to be like him. We want to have his attitude toward this world. Why? Derek made this point too. Because unity is key so that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here is where we're landing. We're landing with Paul's final greeting. He said this in Romans 16. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. He says, keep away from them. We have to be careful. We have to be careful Comparing what people say to the word of God in context, in the fullness of it, what was the intent, what was the desire of the Holy Spirit as he challenged and he penned those words through people. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. This is what is so humbling to me. I stand here and I will be accountable for what I say. And I have to be careful because, again, I, I realize that I can be pretty selfish that I have a strong appetite for my own desires, right? And I could want to say what I want to say. I could come down with it. I can't help it. I just need to share it. No, no, no. I have to be careful of that. You have to be careful of that. But you have to also, and we'll talk about it in a moment, be aware, okay? Be, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people, those that are just not there yet. Everyone has heard about your obedience. Man, he says, I so rejoice because of you. You had no missionary come, but you are just, you are, you are doing your best to spread good news. Man, this is awesome. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. See, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You're going to experience amazing victory because of your heart and what you're doing. The grace of our Lord Jesus, he says, be with you 
that grace, let it be with you. He says, now to him who is able, him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, I love how Paul owns this, his gospel. And we own this. This is our gospel. This is our good news message that we are to share. Co-owners, co-heirs, right? To share the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. Think about that. It literally gave me goosebumps thinking about it. Ages past, the mystery came to life. Jesus. Oh, wow. But now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings, the words that were spoken about him by the command of an eternal God. That's so much bigger than right now, isn't it? Does that blow your mind? He's a forever God. He's not just for two years or, or 10 years or, 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 or 50 years. It, for 100 years or 1,000, he's a forever God, an eternal God. Why? So that all the Gentiles, Paul's focus, our focus, everyone might come to the obedience that comes from faith, complete trust in God through Christ Jesus, enabled by his spirit. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul's like, here's the deal, y'all. You gotta be aware. Watch out. Watch out. I remember walking with Allie as she was starting sixth grade and I walked wherever she would walk in that school. I walked through every single class that she would go to and I said, baby, look around you. If I can teach you anything, I will teach you how to be aware. I said, you see that spot right there? I wasn't there to scare her because I don't do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't put fear in my children. I want awareness in my children, understanding about what's really going on around you. I said, that's a trouble spot. You watch that. Don't be afraid, but you just be aware. Watch out for trouble spots. When people try to put an obstacle between you and this walk or try to share something that's not in the word or share something that's not where you are, beware. Be aware. Anything that's contrary to the teaching you have learned, keep away from them. Be very careful. Even stay away. He says, be wise and innocent. You have to use wisdom. You have to use wisdom. It's important to use wisdom about what is good, and it is important to be innocent about what is evil. That it doesn't coexist with you, that people look at, no, you know what? That is a sincere, innocent person. They look at you and they say, I believe that that person's this way versus what someone has said about them. Do you see what I'm saying here? Innocent. And then, it's always about this, being on the move, through him, Christ Jesus. Again, paraphrasing 25 through 27. Okay, it's in the context, but paraphrasing now to him who is able to establish, to make you who you are on the move, right? To establish you how and only by through Christ Jesus, through him as the spirit of God enables you. That's the goal. This is a living and active thing. 
Paul's whole reason was that this would continue beyond Rome. He wanted to get to Rome. He did get to Rome, not by the best of ways. But he got to Rome. But he wanted them, he wanted Rome to keep moving with their message. He wants Foundry to move with their message, not Justin. Foundry. Responsible, okay? Sincere, accepting, redeemed. That's what he wants. Man, this is, whew, this is good. It's jacked me up. I'm a new believer in this way. That's what the word should do to us. Help us to be made new. So you'll see it on your screen, and my question is this. This is your response. What is one, literally one, just one area that you need to have a final response? Just one. You may have placed one in front of the other and then there's another and then there's another. That's fine too. You can have a hierarchy here. That's fine. But what is one thing, and again, Bray didn't even know that, praying that first service. What is one thing that you need to really just camp on for a moment and respond to? Maybe it is that salvation, understanding that sin has separated you from God, but there is a way through Christ Jesus. Okay, maybe that's the, 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 that is the ground level. Justification, understanding that. Law of Jesus, accepting care. There's all kinds of stuff. So my challenge for you is to respond accordingly. Okay? I'm going to pray. And after that, uh, I want to challenge you to, to be with somebody that may be, may be your small group leader, your connect group leader, your spouse, and, and uh, be honest and vulnerable about that one thing and pray through it. And then begin to worship after that. Or we can pray with you as well if you need that. And any connect group leaders are, are, are available and ready as well. But let's be convicted. Let's be challenged to not stay the same. Life is way too short and way too eternal to not do something about it. It's your responsibility not mine I have a big enough thing to do here it's your responsibility so Lord by your sweet loving kind forbearing gracious giving spirit we respond thank you for loving us so much to point to something in our lives that needs to change what a good, loving Father you are to not leave us the same. God, thank you for, for allowing Paul to go through all he went through so that we could sit here in 2019 and be challenged by his life and the words that he penned by your Spirit. God, you are so incredibly good and so incredibly loving. Mm. Let us be humbled by that. Let us be taken by your love and let us be renewed by your love in this moment. We want to be changed by you to be like you and to represent you well in this world. Thank you, Lord. We consider it an honor and a privilege 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.com.